Hello everyone and welcome back to Election Day. In this episode, I'm going to be outlining the major battleground issues that have popped up and then I'm going to discuss the Biden take on it and the Trump take on it so far into the election cycle. The first one is the coronavirus, the global pandemic that has swept across the world and America and it's causing so, so much damage to every aspect of human life. And ultimately, a lot of the responsibility comes down to the top of the chain. It cycles back to the president, Donald Trump. I've said this many times before, but Trump's mismanagement of the coronavirus has cost the U.S. thousands and tens of thousands of lives of trillions of dollars in the economy by downplaying and denying the virus from very early on refusing to act even when given the chance, and then as the pandemic progressed, going against public health advice and messaging, basically for his own personal pride. And so perhaps coronavirus is the biggest weapon that the Biden campaign can use and is using against Donald Trump, because it's a nonpartisan issue, and it proves flat out how mismanagement by President Trump can cause so much harm to America. I would say around half of the ads I've seen promoting Joe Biden for president included something along the lines of Trump's incompetence relating to COVID-19 destroyed our lives. Because with so many deaths and the economic fallout as well, it's ruined virtually every edge Donald Trump has had about having a strong country. It would explain why Trump's electoral odds diminished so quickly after March. And so the Biden campaign take on coronavirus is it's Trump's fault that the situation is this bad. Therefore, we need to kick out the guy who got us in all this trouble. So as much as this is a battleground issue, it's not really two-sided. Clearly, Biden is on offense and Trump is on defense. So then what's the Trump campaign's response to this? Well, they've had two responses so far. Number one is to largely ignore it. While occasionally they will talk about COVID-19 and try to spin it in a positive light, mostly they don't talk about it at all, at least not even close to as much as the Biden campaign. If you look at any one of Trump's speeches or rallies or whatever, I think it's probably hard to tell whether it's during the pandemic or not. So that's number one. They don't even respond to the Democrats' criticism. Or alternatively, number two, is they try to spin it in a positive light. COVID-19 is generally seen as Trump's biggest failure during his presidency, but the campaign once in a while, likes to try to spin it in a positive light. That could be using misleading or manipulating statistics to make it look like the situation in the U.S. is better than it is. It could be, famously at the RNC, someone was referring to the pandemic in the past tense, basically saying that we've overcome it already, or otherwise trying to make COVID-19 look like a Trump victory and a Trump success, rather than a major Trump failure. But still, I do think the main strategy is no response. Moving on to the next battleground issue, 
we have racial and social tensions. Obviously, with the Black Lives Matter movement, now is a time of heated discussion around racial and social justice, and so obviously this has become a major issue in the election cycle. Now, Biden's view on racial and social tensions is not actually full support behind the movement. Even though he's a Democrat and Biden does support Black Lives Matter, he hasn't been that vocal on it. He is by no means the most left-wing on racial and social justice. And so the messaging coming out of the Biden campaign is not actually we have major issues around racism and social injustices and we need to get to work to fixing that and stand by the protesters. No. Instead, he's been saying this is evidence of division in America, and Trump is a cause of that. Trump is stoking the flames of hatred and outrage and injustice, and Biden will heal and bring America together. So even though the left has been laser-focused on addressing these issues, Biden himself actually has not. He's been doing so in a very roundabout and electoral-focused way, basically just saying that Trump is causing even more division along racial and social lines, and that Biden can help undo that. He hasn't fully engaged with the issues and the protests and the movement. Meanwhile, the Trump and Republican response has been along two fronts one of which is basically denying and downplaying the effects of racial and social injustice. They're basically saying, come on, racism isn't that big of a deal, stop complaining. And then, like at the RNC, they'll say, see, we'll give you examples, look at these black people who have made it. Essentially, they're trying to destroy the validity behind these protests, and thereby almost saying, it's okay to vote for Trump, you don't have to feel guilty. Don't worry, you don't have to take the side of the protesters. You can vote for Trump, who's in opposition to them, because they're just crybabies. Racism isn't real. It's such a deeply flawed argument. But much like with the coronavirus, they're evading the question. They are largely ignoring it. So that's number one. But number two is a much more aggressive way and a much more engaged way to deal with the battleground issue. They're passive-aggressive in this way, in that they have a non-responsive line of reasoning and a highly responsive line of reasoning. And the second one is that environmental Muslim extremists from the radical left will come and take your guns. The other one I just mentioned was much more about gaining an electoral edge this one is the typical Trump narrative. This is what we have come to expect, and it rallies up his base, who deeply buys into this fear. Here, Trump is taking a directly hostile stance. It's his trademark brand of fear-mongering. He basically mashed up all his enemies into one big monster that people should be afraid of, and he's relying on prejudice that people are scared of environmentalists, that people are scared of Muslims, that people are afraid of immigrants. He's weaponizing these unfounded fears and prejudices that people already have. 
I think the one thing that sums it all up is the deep state. What even is it? Nobody knows. But Trump manages to just dump all his political enemies there. Again, this is an issue where Joe Biden is clearly on offense and Trump is on defense, but unlike COVID-19, Joe Biden is playing quite passive here, and Trump is splitting his approach. He is taking one more passive approach and a much more aggressive approach. Relating to the recent protests, especially in Kenosha, we have a similar but still clearly distinct issue of law and order. Once again, Trump can weaponize fear. Because without any context, and Trump is very good at removing context, it is a plain fact that there is a lot of violence at these protest sites. Doesn't matter if it's actually by pro-Trump counter-protesters, doesn't matter if it's a tiny, tiny fraction of what's actually going on, it's still a plain fact, and Trump can spin that. What looks like a righteous fight for racial equality to liberals, to Trump supporters, that can look like a totally chaotic, anarchist, violent, scary gathering. Trump is saying we can't let this continue. We can't allow the madness to just go on. I am going to shut this down. I will end whatever's going on with Black Lives Matter, which he preaches, is actually a lawless, crazy movement full of violence. By painting a picture of madness, Trump can say, pick me. I am a strong leader. Trump, above all else, likes to portray himself as a masculine, strong man, almost dictator-like authoritarian leader. He says, I will preserve law and order. I will keep the order. It's actually probably his most compelling case, and it's one he repeated a lot. This is a lot like the 1990s obsession with who can be the toughest on crime. So that's the Trump side. Only a strong leader like Trump can prevent this scary mob from ruining the stability of the country. And then the Biden response... It took a little bit of time for him to actually come and reply on this issue. Initially, the Biden campaign took a strategy of ignoring it, but eventually Biden came with an answer, which is, hold on a minute, Trump is the one starting these fires. Trump, by what he's saying and doing, is actually stoking the division. Trump is ruining law and order. And aren't law and order the two things we don't associate with Trump? keeping the law and following the order? The Biden message is Trump's rhetoric is the one that's violent. Trump is supporting people like Kyle Rittenhouse or the people in Charlottesville. And if you really think about it, even the violence that Trump is condemning technically has nothing to do with Joe Biden. Trump is the president right now. The violence and the the destruction of law and order is happening under President Trump. As of more recently, Biden is pushing back hard on Trump's law and order narrative. He's saying that conversely, I am the president that would be better suited to keep law and order. 
and that Trump is doing nothing but destroying law and order by his rhetoric, which very purposefully pits people against each other. So a lot of liberal outlets have been picking up on this, saying Trump condemns the liberal violence, but this is happening in Trump's America, not Joe Biden's. This is an issue where Trump does get to go on offense, and he is pushing really hard. He's really going for the line of attack that says, Joe Biden's Democrats are chaotic and crazy, and I will shut them down. And then on defense, Joe Biden has been going equally hard. He's pushing back on Trump's number one narrative, and in fact, he's even flipping the script to counterattack and say Trump is destroying law and order. When we combine the three things I've already talked about, we can roughly make out a fourth, which is It's a referendum on the state of America. Is America in a good or bad place? With Corona, Trump is ignoring it or saying it's a success. Joe Biden is saying it's a failure. With racial and social issues, Biden is saying Trump is tearing us apart. Trump is ignoring it. Law and order is an exception where both of them agree that it's bad, but they try to both point the blame at each other. Aside from these issues, though, we can also just tell from their rhetoric. Like I said two episodes ago, one of the biggest themes of the Republican National Convention was America is great, even greater thanks to Donald Trump. One of the biggest themes at the Democratic National Convention is our country is broken. Trump has broken it, and we need healing. You could tell from their tone, Trump is always triumphant. Democrats and Joe Biden are much more somber. This one doesn't have such a clear offense and defense. They're both attacking and defending these lines pretty clearly. They've dug in their trenches on this one. And this battleground issue, they are both very invested in. Both of them use America is great or America is shattered as one of their biggest lines of reasoning. I would say America is in a bad place right now is winning, but not because Joe Biden's campaign has been doing better than the Trump campaign, but because Trump's campaign, unlike Biden, has partially acknowledged the fact that America is not in a good place, although they have blamed it on the Democrats. The last big battleground issue that I've identified is the stakes of the 2020 election. The Trump campaign would love the election to be about the Democratic Party versus the Republican Party. They want to make it about liberal issues, so stuff like racial justice, the environment, healthcare, etc., against conservative issues. So fiscal responsibility, limiting abortion, etc., etc. That's because with Trump down by so much... A typical Democrat versus Republican election is miles ahead of what they could do right now with Trump as their candidate. And framing it as a partisan election could draw back some reluctant Republican voters. So not only does it give Trump a boost in that a Republican is easier to vote for than Trump, it also hurts the Biden ticket because the Democratic Party is easier to attack than Joe Biden, the candidate. Or at least, 
the image of the radical left is much easier to criticize than an unthreatening old white guy. It's why the Republicans always love to lump Joe Biden and the radical left together. So the Republicans want the election to be on party lines because it's not a great shot, but it's the best they can get. And Joe Biden wants the election not to be about parties, but between him and the president. For the exact reverse of all the reasons I just mentioned. Joe Biden knows that people would rather vote for him than the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is a a deeply hated institution. And the Biden campaign also knows that detached from the framework of American two-party politics, people really don't like Trump. Trump is highly disapproved of, and most people don't think he's a good leader or even a good person. Joe Biden has ranked ahead of Donald Trump on virtually every personality trait. He is just seen as a better person. Him and his personality are much more like. Biden framing this as a non-partisan election, but just him versus Trump, is why he's able to get so many moderate and even conservative voters. Again, there is no offense and defense on this issue, and again, this is one that both sides are really pushing on hard. So far, Joe Biden did have a big advantage in that most people thought of this as Biden versus Trump, but as of more recently, especially since the RNC, I think it's now an even ground, because Trump has done a good job of pushing the partisan election narrative. I think this battleground issue turning truly even is one of the reasons why Joe Biden's lead is shrinking though marginally. So those are the five main battleground issues as of so far, And now, really quickly, just before I end, I want to run through four potential battleground issues that aren't on the national stage yet, but very well could be. Number one is who has the high ground on religion. Typically, Republicans always take this battleground issue, but this year it's much more contested because, well, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are the candidates, one of which is not I guess, the best Christian, and the other is a devout Catholic, and because increasingly, the religious left is becoming a political force, as the DNC showed. If you really think about it, you could see how much irony there is in the religious right, and how Christianity is nothing but another identity and weapon they can use to justify their already pre-decided beliefs, rather than use their religion as a basis to make those decisions. There's a clip from The Daily Show where Jordan Klepper interviews a Trump supporter, and he says, well, according to the Bible, aren't you supposed to love your neighbor? And the Trump supporter says, well, you don't want someone living next to you who's going to murder you in your sleep. So this is a sensitive topic that I don't love talking about here, but I do think that the religion issue is a big battleground that both sides can capitalize on. And of course, I do have to mention that Trump can gain a lot of evangelical support, or at least consolidate it, by mentioning religious issues that the right does have an upper leg on, like abortion, gay rights, and so on. The second one is healthcare. 
It's interesting that healthcare hasn't come up too much this election cycle. Obviously, there are bigger and more current stories, but healthcare is still one of the top three issues that the American people care most about. Of course, it does have something to do with the fact that Joe Biden and Donald Trump both don't have very ambitious healthcare plans. Joe Biden doesn't support Medicare for all, and Donald Trump hasn't really done much to healthcare other than repeal Obamacare and put in place an essentially identical replacement. But Biden and Trump do still differ massively on this issue, and so I expect healthcare to come up a little more as a battleground issue later on. The third one is the economy. This is one aspect of the coronavirus, but prior to that, this was Trump's main argument for why you should re-elect me, because the economy was strong for most of his presidency. So even though it's been ruined now, I think this is still one where Trump can go on the offensive and try to claim credit for the economic success of the USA, whether or not it has anything to do with him, obviously that's a whole different debate. But the American people, I don't think, blame Trump too much for the economic downfall. Obviously, they blame him for the mismanagement, but some downfall was to be expected. So I wouldn't be surprised if Trump still tries to take credit for the economic successes before Corona. And the last one is the Supreme Court and the Judicial Branch. With Congress and the Senate increasingly stalling to be able to make any real changes to U.S. policy, so much more of the actual decision-making power has come down to executive actions and Supreme Court decisions. With Trump appointing two Supreme Court judges during his four years, in Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, and even more to be expected in the coming four years, I believe that the Supreme Court and the judicial branch will be a big battleground issue where Trump can boast his successes and draw more conservative voters along party lines. And then on the flip side, Joe Biden can say, we can't let Donald Trump appoint even more far-right Supreme Court justices and tip the balance of the judicial branch for years to come that will increasingly make big, big decisions for the U.S. One of the biggest things Democrats should have learned from Trump's presidency is how important the Supreme Court and the courts are. Okay, so those are the main battleground issues that are being hotly contested in the 2020 election, and then potential battleground issues that could come up further into the election cycle. That's it for this episode. Next week, I'm going to be doing my very last personal opinion episode, and then after that, once we go into the last stretch of the election cycle, I'll go back to a little more electoral analysis. Thank you for listening, and see you next week.